A lot of piss tests coming their way. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is Wednesday, September 2nd, and we finally crossed over the hump into September. We're starting to get into fall, but uh, good to see you, boys. Uh, let's catch up on things. Jack, want to give listeners a rundown of Riding with the Chirp Boys? Yeah, I do. Um, all right, so normally we record on Monday or Tuesday nights, and we have a day or so to kind of let our bet marinate. We haven't won yet. I think the closest we got was two weeks ago where we were a couple runs away from winning, but we're recording now on Sunday afternoon. Um, and we got a little bit of a dagger. So we had a chance to win right around 210 bucks, Tom. It's be like 210 in some sense. So yeah, $210. Okay. So we had a huge day of underdogs. We had the Tigers plus 172. We had the Cubs plus 142 and we had the Orioles plus 130. Uh, we were clicking right along and then the Orioles lost on a walk-off bomb. We're getting close. We were like one for three to start. Then we had a couple weeks at two at two for three. And now we're like walk offs away from winning. So uh, keep getting the votes in. And this week, what we're going to do is to give a little bit more variables throughout the week. We're going to do longest home run in feet. So throughout Wednesday, all the Wednesday games through all of the games on Saturday, the longest home run from MLB StatCast, whoever's the closest without going over, will be the winner. Multiple days in there. Um, there's been some long runs already this season. So, yeah, get your numbers in. Send them over to at plus underscore chirp, and uh, we'll be looking for some responses there. So let's dive into some baseball talk. Um, things continue to stay heated on the pitch. So Cubs were playing, uh, who would it have been, the Reds this past weekend? And Anthony Rizzo is at the plate, and guy comes in. Um, one of his first debuts, if not like his first debut in the MLB, and gets high and inside and just barely misses Anthony Rizzo's head. Um, things get heated. Guys start talking, and bench is clear. By the way, Tom, I'll call you out. You, you can't <laughs> okay. make more than one debut. So I think it was his second outing in the MLB. And, yeah, I've never even heard of the guy. But um, if you didn't see it, pretty much what happened was fastball ran up and in against Rizzo. He had two home runs. They were playing two sevens. He had two homers in the game before. So the Cubs kind of took it personal. I don't really think there's much to it. I think it's just a good example of how the season's weird and that with no fans, you just, you know, you're looking for an edge. You're looking for an additional adrenaline adrenaline rush and guys are hearing things that they normally wouldn't hear. And, and next thing you know, the bench is clear. So uh, I will point out that the Cubs bullpen was first to the scuffle. They beat the Reds uh, for, in the bullpen race to the actual epicenter of the um, little vocal argument. So that's a win for my boys in blue. Mitch, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a lot. I got a, I got a question for you, though, Jack. Do you genuinely believe that when guys throw at someone intentionally, they go for the head? Is that still a thing? I don't – I mean, I think it actually might still be a thing, but I think everyone knows better than that. Well, Like, okay, I think so- when you talk to people about throwing at guys, everybody always says – um, you know, go for the back, go for the ribs or below, go for the legs. So I think that's like a, a league known thing. That's a feel thing. If you're going to send a message, do it that way. I don't think that guys are actually trying to hit guys in the head, but there are a considerable, considerable amount of fastballs that are like six to eight inches above a guy's helmet. Yeah. Whether that's a message or actually trying to hit them, I would hope that it's just a message. I don't think guys are actually trying to hit other guys in the head. Well, I think the biggest thing here, too, is that, you know, whether this guy was trying to hit him or not on the Reds, you know, hitting Rizzo, it was that the Cubs came back and threw at them as well. So it was obvious that, like, two pitchers, you know, it wasn't unintentional the second time around, whether the first one was or not. And I think that's what stirred it up is the coach started getting fired up, shouting at Rizzo. And Rizzo's standing there and first, like, I didn't tell him to do it. You know, it just kind of happened. And, like, they, and then that's just kind of what stirred the pot and got everybody going. So... Whether the first one was intentional or not, I think the second one just easily was. I would go back to shoe there because, Mitch, I don't know if you saw the like the you know supposed re- retaliation throw, but I would say that the second one didn't look nearly as intentional as the first. Yeah, I mean, I think typically the way Tom's describing it, that's typically how it goes down, right? One guy gets hit, other team retaliates almost immediately, and then umpires have to do something at that point. Um, 
maybe I'm naive to it, but I, I just don't think guys intentionally throw at guys' heads. Like, I, I don't think that's a thing. I think guys just, like, really aren't that good. Like, they don't have that yeah. much command. Like, I really don't think guys are good enough to pinpoint a guy squared up in the back. Like, I think there guy, there's guys in the MLB that are, that are capable of doing that. But I, on the whole general population of the MLB, I don't think that's, uh, like, guys aren't that good. So if you're going to aim at someone, I'd say like almost aim at their hip. So if you're going to miss, you're at least going to miss in the range of the back or the legs or something like that. But it's terrible when you see something coming up in the head. You, you can't really do anything about it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm obviously I'm a Cubs fan, but, you know, their pitcher made I don't even know the guy's name. He uh, he made some good points in his press conference. He's like the average miss in the MLB is 17 inches, which I thought was that's big. And the scouting report on Rizzo is like, try to bust him inside. You know, he crowds a plate. That's just been his MO forever. So if you, if you look at it, aside from throwing at a guy after he's having a lot of success, success, which does happen to kind of slow people down from time to time, he makes great points where it's like, look, I was just trying to go up and in. I didn't execute a pitch. I would never try to hit a guy in the head to your point shoe, which I agree with. So at the end of the day, it was just, Probably an altercation that maybe wouldn't have happened if there were fans at the game because dugouts yelling back and forth just doesn't really happen when when there's mm-hmm. a, a packed stadium. But um, it w- it was just you know something to talk about. Yeah, but if if your guy gets if a pitch does come near your guy's head, you bet your ass you're, you're coming out there and protecting him. Like you're going and retaliating and throwing a guy. You have to. You absolutely have to. So I mean I I think the whole thing kind of played out as a traditional scenario for you know, guys getting heated and in ejections and brawls and the whole deal. Um, you know, still fun to see. You just don't want to see a guy get thrown at near the head. I hope that that umpire is doing some um, post throw arm care because he ejected five guys in like 20 seconds and he had some aggressive throw outs. Let's head over to something a little bit lighter um, and the topic of the new baseball cup. Jack, do you mind giving a rundown for listeners about, you know, what you read on your end and, and what that might look like here? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing kind of confuses me to be honest, but uh, baseball America put something out saying that the MLB proposes the baseball cup. Um, and it says all 30 MLB teams and 120 minor league teams would compete in a tournament during the regular season. Theoretically, MLB teams and minor league teams could play games against each other. And the idea is modeled largely after European soccer competitions in which lower level clubs can compete with top level clubs in yearly tournaments. Theoretically, I think this is a really cool idea. Um, it doesn't make any sense that MLB is bringing it up now because they can barely stay above water. So I was kind of taken back by them, you know, trying to trying to bite off this huge mission to make um, more eyes on baseball when they can barely schedule two seven inning doubleheaders across the country. So I think it'd be sweet. I think it would be awesome for a lot of reasons, more revenue. Younger players get an opportunity to, to play against, you know, bigger competition and, and prove themselves at a younger age. But right now, that's like the last thing Manfred should be thinking about. Yeah. And, and logistically, I just don't understand how you're going to do that in the middle of the season. Like we struggle. We play 162 games in a regular season and you're struggling to get all nine or nine inning games in throughout the whole year. Um, you shorten the season this year. Obviously, it's totally different with with everything going on and doubleheaders being scheduled, but I just don't understand how you're going to schedule minor leaguers to get pulled up to play these games and, and do like an inner inner league play with each other. Um, I do agree, Jack. I think it would be interesting to see some of these younger guys get some chances. You know, a lot of guys go out and play in the, like the Australian baseball league in the, in the um, fall and winter, uh, the Mexico league, stuff like that that to kind of like boost their stock as prospects a lot of guys will have really good years out there and then come back in with a little bit of status so that could be a kind of a way of almost like more guys getting an opportunity to kind of showcase their ability against MLB talent Um, and I think it would be interesting to see because like we know single elimination in baseball I mean a couple years back the uh, I think the Phillies I want to say lost to the University of uh, Tampa, the Division II university on there, who's extremely talented, but they lost like a, a minor league scrimmage game against those guys in a one game setting. So it'd be kind of cool to see, um, you know, nothing like taking the uh, helium out of 
you know, a lot of guys like Seoul and uh, the big league clubs getting beat down by some minor leaguers. You know, if you got like the uh, the Orioles or a couple other teams, I don't want to bash our Orioles because those are our guys. But, um, you know, a couple a couple teams uh, at the bottom of the league consistently, if they're going out and getting beat by a couple minor league organizations, doesn't look very good. But I don't know. Interesting idea, but agreed. Uh, the timing of it just seems kind of odd like why why are we talking about that let's try to get through this season without any issues before we kind of plan for something just like outrageous like that but it is an interesting idea it's cool it does work in soccer yeah and um here's just an idea for manfred in case he's listening um what they should do is if if a minor league team is the home team in one of these proposed games the mlb team should stay at like a Motel 6 and eat like a six-inch Subway sandwich before the game to make the playing field fair. Respect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm in. I, I love it. I and then when it. they go and then when they go play at the big league stadium, they put them up in like the Ritz-Carlton and mm-hmm. they get, you know, they're they're treated to the nines. As they yeah, should. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I have Let's a proposed it. amendment to it. For listeners that are not familiar with my background, I have obviously a lot more focus on hockey and everything. So for me, like I was – Obviously, you know, watching the World Cup of Hockey when that was a thing. And their whole big draw was that they were giving younger players a lot of exposure. It was under 22 guys versus the veterans. And I wonder if that would be something considerate, you know, putting together an all-star team of like minor league younger guys or like, you know, under 22 Dominican Republic guys or Caribbean players versus like under 22 North American players and then take them from their MLB teams, mix them with some of these minor league guys coming up and everything. So you have some established MLB guys, some young talent that's come into the league. I don't know, just something to kind of also spice it up, build relationships across the league and everything as well. But also, you know, at the same time, get to see some of these younger prospects play with some strong established talent. Yeah. I mean, I think in theory, it's definitely an interesting idea, but when you put it to paper, it's like, I mean, we talk, when we talked to Steve the other day, Stevie Polakov, like he talks about a lot of these guys being underdeveloped as baseball players and they have these crazy tools. So do you really want like a 19, 20 year old kid that's throwing a hundred miles an hour? I mean, we're talking about throwing at kids heads, but then putting your all-star in there that you're paying $30 million a year and he's got a hundred miles an hour and he has no idea where it's going for, you know, a whole game. I mean, putting some of the MLB guys at risk for that is like a little, you know, uh, you got to be at least the MLB wants to protect their prize possessions. And those are the guys that are getting paid. So, um, you know, I see it both ways. There's definitely uh, cool things that would come from it uh, of letting those guys play against each other. But also you got to look at the uh, the bigger picture as well. You know, speaking of younger players in the game, we were talking about how in other sports, recent college graduates go play for their drafted team right away. Last weekend, I was talking with a family member about the same thing, like, I I want your perspective because you're around player development a lot more than we are. Don't you think that in certain scenarios you could be able to take college players and plug them into MLB games and give them, you know, 40 or 50 games to, to get a feel for it and they could probably progress more than they would in the minor leagues? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in rare cases, absolutely. I think I think guys that are mature enough to handle the lifestyle um yeah I mean dude uh, there's a guy there's a guy we scouted this year that was a third overall pick his name Max Meyer um honestly I think you could plug that guy in an MLB bullpen right now and he's gonna go out and perform now the flip side of that is like okay if they want to make him a starter he may be not ready to start in the big leagues so they're gonna work him in single double a to kind of be kind of become grooved as a starter and then bring them in. But I do think there are special cases of guys that are just extremely talented. And you do see that move through the minor league system a lot quicker. Um, But in terms of development, I think it's just that that baseball, like make sure these guys are mentally ready for the challenge more than anything. I think if a guy's mentally uh, capable of handling it, I think he is going to progress better in the big leagues. If he's okay with failing, you know, early on and, and understands that it is a process, uh, Absolutely. I think it definitely could be beneficial in select cases. Yeah, because like when I look at the other sports, you know, you take Zion, for example, dominates a Duke. And then within a matter of months after he's drafted, he's the face of the NBA. Same thing happened with, you know, Baker Mayfield didn't progress as much as people would like. But same idea, right? Leaves Oklahoma face of the Browns pretty much right away. And I think what happens quite a bit is 
when your team drafts a player that's young and exciting, you lose track of him for three years sometimes before you actually see him in the big leagues. And there was that story a while ago when Brandon Finnegan went from TCU, played in the College World Series in June or July, and then pitched in the playoffs or the actual World Series for the Royals in um, the fall. And it just got me thinking, you know, how many times do these really, really good players that come out of college or they're just drafted out of high school or a junior college, whatever it is, go play, you know, too long in the minors where now they got a ton of variables. They don't really have access to the best training facilities or the best training, you know, regiments, you could say. And now they're just spinning their wheels after a couple of seasons rather than being like, look, we've, we gave you a ton of money for a reason. We're just going to plug you into this lineup and go prove yourself. Yeah. And I think. I th- you bring up a lot of interesting points for sure. Uh, I mean, absolutely. And, and you think as a pitcher, I mean, both of us were pitchers. Like, imagine going through four different pitching coaches before you get to the big leagues and then have to settle in with a guy like that. And I know most organizations kind of preach the same thing, but you know how it is. Like, even the same message, there could be two coaches with the same message, but it just doesn't get as cross or doesn't get across um, as well as, as one guy may um, so if you, if you do throw a guy in the big leagues with professional coaches and, and they get comfortable, um, you know, there may be some struggles early on because the competition level is going to be extremely different than it would be at a ball or double a or whatever. Um, but you're going to learn a lot. That's for sure. So if the guy can handle it, I, I agree, man. I mean, I, I think it, it would be interesting to see if it works out. I think it's just like part of its baseball culture where we've done this for so long. Um, and it's been this way forever that it's not really going to change. Um, so I don't know. It'd be interesting to see, man, for sure. I think there are guys that can handle it. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of added changes or changes onto our topic of, you know, baseball cup and now talking young players and everything, but a lot of good talk there. Do you guys want to talk about the right now and who's hot and who's not in the MLB? Amen. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I will start us off here. The Dodgers went and hit 57 home runs in the month of August alone. And regardless of the fact that obviously they're using DH in the NL this year, just a unbelievable stat by them. Just guys swinging the bats very well. Um, you have, you know, Seager who hits, I want to say it was, um, you know, his ninth home run and five in his last 13 games. And then Cody Bellinger who has six in his last 11 games. So all around just hot bats for the Dodgers right now. A lot of piss tests coming their way. All right, my uh, who's hot is um, the Diamondbacks because, well, they're really not playing that well, um, but it's really hot in the uh, state, state of Arizona. So True. this coming week, it's going to be um, 96, 102, 105, 107, 107, 107, 107. So I'm and out on that. That's, that's coming down. Those guys. And that's yeah, coming I was going to say, if Jack, like that's like, that's nice. That's good weather out there. Right. <laughs> right. Which is absurd. It was 112 <laughs> all last week. So, shoot, who do you got? Who's hot in your book right now? So, my hot right now are just uh, MLB trade rumors. So, uh, you know, a lot of guys getting dished out, already dealt out. Padres got uh, Mitch Moreland, Jason Castro, uh, Michael Givens went to, or got traded to the Rockies. Cubs got Jose Martinez, I believe today. I think that happened. Uh, Braves get Tommy Malone. Um, and then the big rumors that are still going around right now, the Rangers are looking to dish Joey Gallo. The White Sox showed interest in Mike Clevenger, um, and the Dodgers just had recent talks with Josh Hader. So a lot of things going on um, here at the uh, trade deadline, and I'm sure within the next 24 hours we're going to see some of these big names get dished out. Which, speaking of, uh, former guest Ryan Spader might have given a little tip that uh, Clevenger might be going to the Padres, so keep an eye out for that. But um, let's head over to our who's not. Um, I was talking about hot bats in the NL. Let's talk about who's not hot. The NL Central bats, if you look at the batting averages in the NL right now, all five teams in the NL Central round out the very bottom. So NL Central confirmed cold in the plate right now. Uh, I'm going to follow up that with uh, a number from the AL Central. Uh, Miguel Sano, he's actually having a pretty you know average year. He's got Six jacks, he's hitting 235, but he's got 102 ABs and 50 punch outs, and I just love that. Yeah, I just love, I think it's so funny that big <laughs> league hitters go up and they just strike out half the time. So it's like a backwards who's not because he's got he's got 50 tickets punched, but he's still, you know, hitting 230 and he's got six jacks. So 
take it for what it, what it's worth to you guys. But Miguel Sano, not hot. And it's uh, it's a little bit more common in the game today, man. You get slug, mm-hmm. you're gonna stick around. So my not for this week is Kevin Pilar. Um, you know, he's had a little bit of history, as we know, with. Um, some controversy in the league, but a couple days ago after the league-wide movement, um, both in the NBA, the MLB, and organizations across the uh, the U.S., uh, the decision to kind of sit due to social and racial um, inequalities and injustices, uh, Kevin Parr comes out and says it was a difficult decision for some of us to not play in that game. Um, you know, I think the headline makes it sound a little worse than it was, but what really kind of turned him in the knot for me was the apology he came out with said. I don't know if you guys saw it on Twitter, but he came out with an apology, um, which I respect, man. He, he came out, he needed to apologize, do what he needs to do. But he literally pulled out like a, a notebook and was reading it as if he was reading like a teleprompter for the first time. And it was the most like forced, unprepared uh, speech and apology I've ever seen. And, and it makes you kind of question the sincerity behind it for sure so uh just kind of a bad look man especially for a guy that has kind of been um in the light for some controversial controversial topics in the past um kind of a bad look on kevin Bullar. so he's my he's my not for this week those apologies are always everybody sees right through them but they still do them i don't get it i think if you just went like IG live and just started talking, that would be a more sincere apology than like some scripted bullshit apology from your PR agent. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I wish they would just like, OK, you you messed up in the first place saying, you know, it was hard for us not to play. It, that can get interpreted multiple ways. Right. Uh, but like, come out and just say, you know, we stand with Jackie Bradley Jr. We stand with our friends across the country. Like. Just say that. Don't don't try to turn it into this like Twitter event. And if you're going to do it that way, at least come prepared for it. (laughs) Don't just read note cards and and try to like like, dude, come prepared and say it with some sincerity, like say it from the heart. I feel like when you write things down, it's you thinking through the best way to say it. Like, dude, speak from your heart. If you're sincere about it, go out and say it. Hopefully it doesn't mask, you know, how the rest of the MLB handled it, because you guys will hear in this interview with Alex Young. I think the way that the rest of the league went about it was really professional and they did it the right way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said, Jack. And we'll get over to that interview after we do our scouting report. So let's dive into that. Our scouting report is brought to you by Goat Baseball. Head over to their website. That is G-O-A-T-B-S-B-L dot com. Use code CHIRP15 for 15% off your purchase. Um, And this week... We are going to be debating all things that make your Super Bowl party great. Is that what you guys would title it as? I don't know if that's like yeah, the best way to phrase it, but yeah, that's cool. Good, in Shoot, honor of you- uh, in honor of fantasy football draft talk heating up and training camp wrapping up, we're going to talk about uh, what makes the Super Bowl party great. Yes, sir. So, Shu, you are on the starting block for this week's episode, getting us going. It'll go shoe Jack Tommy. Oh, so well, I get the shoot. gold. I get the golden ticket to the best answer out there. Is what you're saying? Yeah, hundred percent. Number one answer. It's like that. What's that game show where it's like the uh, Family Feud? We'll family play Feud. Family Feud. The number one answer. <laughs> Miller Lights. Miller Lights. Miller Lights. Miller oh. Lights is what you need. Ding 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 ding. Sponsor us. Sponsor us. 99 people said Miller Lights. <laughs> All right, Jack, you're up. Okay. Um, seating arrangement. Mm-hmm. Can you explain? I like yeah. I like the answer. I want to hear what you got. Yeah, so I'm just kind of assuming that all the good beer is there, all the good food, appetizers are there. There's nothing worse than walking into a Super Bowl party and there's, like, not enough chairs and a crammed couch and there's no real room to kind of settle in for the game. So – a big thing for me is the seating arrangement. Give you, give the guests enough room to, to cozy up, watch a game, and eat too much food. Agreed. All right, my number one thing for Super Bowl parties is just the food, the great dishes. I can't say food as a whole, but I will go with the Crock-Pot appetizers because I think that that won't take food as a whole, but Crock-Pot appetizers will be my number one spot. 
And you could t- you, you could a, throw a lot. You could throw a lot in there. Yeah. What's your favorite crockpot app, Tom? Probably buffalo chicken dip, or when people bring those like barbecue meatball things. I'm like, uh, yeah, sick. Oh yeah. Those are such yeah, a yeah. sleeper pick for us. Or the a uh, the little crockpot wieners, the little hot dogs, those barbecue like hot dogs. I don't know if it's a crockpot dishes, but I think they might stay warm in a crockpot. But yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. All right. Um. All right. I'm up. It's my go. Mm-hmm. You need the Super Bowl square board. The square. Damn it. Yep. Yeah. Need Super right. Bowl square board. That is an now, essential I, for all us degenerate gambles out, gamblers out there. Now I'm scrambling because. Um. Okay. All right. We're good. You have to take the Monday off. That's, that's what makes the Super Bowl special. When you have that Monday, Monday off. off of work and you're and you're just everyone's kind of slowing down, you know, towards halftime because they got to drive home or you know, they got work the next day, and you booked that Monday off about a, a month in advance. You're set. I like that. Gas pedal. I like that. Shoe mine kind of is similar to yours, but also very different because I think that the squares is completely in its own category so i'm gonna say when your bet hits at the end of the game like when you are kind of either locked in or your bet is gonna hit at the very end of the game so bet hitting is oh there's there's actually no better feeling than that like you're already enjoying the super bowl so much and then you just got a little cash in your pocket too it's just it's phenomenal phenomenal feeling Mm -hmm. like that i like that tom back to the top back to the top last round all right, um, man, I'm between two, between two here. I'm going to go with, you need surround sound. You need a TV with surround sound system. You want to mm-hmm. feel that whole game. You want to feel like you're actually on the 50-yard line. You want the whole environment to be shook. So I'm going to go surround sound. Good pick. Um, all right, I'm going to go halftime performer. Okay. Hmm. So I don't think that the show needs to be that great, but I think the hype needs to be there leading up to the show. Yes, because you need to be excited for the halftime show. You can't even if the show like I think you're right, because I don't know how many people actually watch it, but it just is kind of exciting for halftime to be a thing when there is a good halftime show. It just gives you the option. Mm-hmm. If you don't even and have the option to watch, it's going to be bad. That's just such a kind of drag. Yeah, and it, that's such a good pick because. The Super Bowl, in in terms of like the actual game, is not for everyone. We know that. Like you got your girlfriend that doesn't want to watch the game, or your buddy that knows nothing about football, Masa, um, and you show up to this, <laughs> and you show you show up to the game excited to watch the game. But some people are just like, I kind of just want the food and the halftime show. So you do need a good halftime show to kind of please everyone. It's important. All right, I've got a very important final pick that I think is starting you're starting to see like this pick wouldn't have been a thing like five years ago and that's having a live broadcast not watching it someone who's streaming it on like espn.com where you're actually watching live cable so you don't get a notification on your phone or text from buddies and you're not like a minute delayed you know what i mean yep mm-hmm. so so i think yeah. having a, a place where you can watch it with a live broadcast is very very important that's uh that's, that's interesting angle that, like yeah, that, that t- Tom, that ties into my seating arrangement thing and kind of the idea of hosting, because I think last year uh, my wife and I actually hosted our Super Bowl party, and we have just the basic cable that runs through our our apartment complex, but we have all the apps for you know mm-hmm. NBC, CBS, ESPN, so we we streamed it through we streamed it through one of those apps, whatever it was, and like it just wasn't the same. Not that we were getting alerts. But like the commercial vibe felt different, mm-hmm. um, so that's a great that's a great underrated pick. Well, the alerts are a problem too for that, Jack, because like you can't open Twitter, you can't open Facebook, you can't do it, you can't. Yeah, like you just know you can't. And how was, many times do you know you can't do it, but you just like routinely go check Twitter and you're like, oh shit, I know what happened. Like it's terrible. Yeah, it's the worst. I I was saying that with the caveat that like. I don't have NFL alerts set up in my phone and I wasn't on social media throughout the game. It's just overall, just the broadcast was a touch different and, you, and it was noticeable. Yeah, definitely. You guys, any honorable mentions? You guys got anything? I was going to say the person that, sh- or like the pizza guy that shows up at halftime with the pizza. Um, <laughs> like pizza when you guy. like kind of plan for a meal, you know, maybe you have like a, 
a couple hour pregame to the Super Bowl, like an afternoon, like no one does lunch and you're just going to get pizza during the game as your meal. So when the pizza shows up, I think that's like a very important part of the game. Yeah, I had a, a I had a great game on my honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Just like remember, what was it, 2019 when it was when the Patriots won 10-3 and the game sucked? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, come on. I think that was the lowest scoring game in history. It might be. If it's wrong, I apologize. But that was, like, one of the lowest in history, obviously. Yeah. So I agree so with that. Just, just adds to it. Just adds to it. Points, comebacks, storylines. I had uh, I had one one more honorable mention. It was just a – it was a wall-mounted TV. Like, you guys ever watch sports on a wall-mounted TV compared to, like, a, a TV stand? I feel like it just hits different for me. I don't know why. Yep. I agree completely. I agree so. completely. Well, good. That was a fun one. Do you want to head over to the interview now? And Shu, do you mind just introing Alex for uh, for the guests this week? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this week we got Alex Young, left-handed pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to know Alex throughout high school where he was a highly touted pitcher out of the north suburbs of Illinois. So local Chicago guy. Uh, always get good to get them back on the pod. Uh, really fun talk. Talk about uh, kind of what's going on in the MLB right now. Alex's journey uh, throughout his earlier days, as well as his uh, quick synopsis on his college days. So fun interview. I think you guys will like it a lot. Um, Alex has some awesome points and some awesome insight on what's going on in baseball today. So check it out. All right. Before we get to today's interview, I want to tell you guys about Hit Factory Athletics. Uh, we're all baseball guys here, softball girls here. We all have that one teammate that looks like they got dressed in the dark when they're not wearing their practice gear or their uniform. Um, and if you can't think of that teammate, then it's most likely you. So head over to hitfactoryathletics.com and you'll see sweatshirts, t-shirts, hats, backpacks, phone cases, even off-field training equipment like weighted bats and launch angle tees. Uh, they'll take care of you from head to toe. Find them on Instagram and Twitter at hitfactorybsb or their website, which again is hitfactoryathletics.com and use the code CHIRP for 15% off your purchase at checkout. All right, today we sit down with left-handed pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Alex Young. Um, After a successful rookie season in 2019 with 15 starts and 83 and a third innings pitch, Alex had 71 punch outs and comes into the 2020 Corona season with a one and one record and 24 punch outs and 23 innings. Alex, so good to have a familiar face on the show and appreciate you coming out. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I I just wanted to briefly talk about that 2012 left-handed pitching prospect class uh, in Illinois high school. So we got, obviously, you. We got Ryan Barucki with the Blue Jays, uh, Brett Lewick with the Marlins, Tyler J, U.S. national team, Will Heaton with the Padres. Uh, The list kind of goes on and on. Uh, But I remember hearing a rumor in high school that an early AY – thought of himself as more as a position player than he did as a pitcher earlier. <laughs> and I want to dive into that a little bit. I want to hear the truth behind that and when you felt like you were, yeah. uh, you know, a potential pitching pro prospect. Uh, yeah, well, I think it really – like my freshman year, I, I did both. I was, I was good at both. And, um, and then I, I got called up to, I guess, uh, junior varsity with Gandalfi and – and so I was like, man, this is, you know, this is gonna be fun. Like, I, I remember I had like a double against Blake Zurich. And, and so I was like, you know, I could do this, like I can pitch and hit. And uh, then sophomore year, it kind of digressed. And, and then, you know, pitching was still good. And then junior year is kind of when I threw nine innings. And I was like, I'm not gonna be a pitcher. I was, I was playing the outfield every single day. I, I did good. And so I was like, you know, maybe I'm a position player. And then I was, then I was talking to my family about, you know, I'm, I'm going to transfer schools to Lake Zurich. And, and that's when Gandalfi was there. And, and uh, so I, I didn't really, I didn't really know what was going to happen. And then I went to this, uh, the super 60 showcase, the uh, PBR one. And I, I tried out as a pitcher and a hitter an outfielder. And out of all the offers I got, I got, a couple junior college offers as as a um, outfielder, and then I actually got one D one like offer, I guess, or interest as an outfielder, which was Boston College. But then they realized that my grades weren't nearly good enough for their standards. So, um, 
but then I, I remember going to when I committed to TCU they have like this showcase or this camp where they have all their recruits come out and basically I, I did some stuff in the outfield and I think when they saw me and I, I remember facing Jake Thompson who played in the big leagues for a little bit and he's overseas now and I remember facing him and he struck me out in three pitches and I was like, I'm just going to stick to pitching. <laughs> and, then, and then obviously facing guys last year in the big leagues, it's like facing like Adam Wainwright and, and Joe Kelly and some of these guys who are just like unbelievable at pitching. It's like, there's no, there's no way I would be successful at hitting. Like it's just, it's mind blowing how, how guys hit the ball in, in the professional uh, league. It's, it's insane. To me would you would you be able to hit yourself i think i would yeah because i leave a lot of stuff over the middle so i think i would <laughs> be able to hit myself it's got an important ay just finds a lot of barrel yeah <laughs> um well i didn't want to i didn't want to jump past tcu too quickly because obviously you did accomplish a lot there but um where are you at on the diamondbacks jerseys and how bad do you wish you could wear the throwbacks every game so the one game i i did get to wear the throwbacks I was not a fan of the pants at all. They were, they were, I don't think they were majestic. They were just like this weird feeling. I don't know. I didn't, it felt weird. So I didn't really like it. And I remember I gave up like two or three runs in the first inning and I'm like, I hate these uniforms. And, but the, they look awesome. Like I love the look of them. I love the throwback because I used to play for the Dimebacks when I was in like first grade or whatever. So like I love Randy Johnson, the, the throwback look. So, Besides the pants, I'm I'm all for them. Oh, dude, I'm all about those unis. I think they're yeah. fire. They're <laughs> no, so they're sweet. sick. <laughs> but I'm the same way, dude. If I like had a bad outing, it was like I would look at my socks and my belt <laughs> yeah. and see what was wrong oh, yeah. with it and change something <laughs> and just the dumbest shit ever. It never worked, yeah. but you know I still got barreled. But it's no, it's uh, never, it's never your fault. It's always some shit you're wearing. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, man, you had such a successful rookie year. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your debut. Uh, we try every guy we bring on that has pitched in the big leagues. We like to talk about their debut. Um, just the sounds, the the noises, the smells, everything about it. Um, you know, it's pretty common for guys kind of soak to soak it all in. Tell us a little bit about that day and what it was like for you. I took a flight with the the team um, before I was technically on the team, so it's kind of weird and. They had like a dress up for Cattell Marte because um, they're trying to get him to be the starter at second base for the all-star game. So I'm on, I'm in this like goofy outfit and, and you know, I'm, I'm not even on the team yet. And so it was kind of weird. And then you get to the hotel and you're like, wow, I have my own room. Like, this is cool. So, um, and then I remember going out to eat with my family and my, my thing is to eat uh, some sort of pizza the night before. That's kind of like my thing before I start. Probably not the best suggestion, but I, I like doing it just to carb up. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, being in the hotel, I mean, it that the St. Regis in, in San Francisco is by far the the nicest hotel I've I've been in uh, in terms of hotels you stay in for baseball. Um, and so it was just like this is so cool. Like it didn't feel real to me. And then, you know, getting to the field, I remember I was on the first bus, and some of the guys were like, "Dude, you don't need to be here. Like you're pitching. Like." You, I'm like, I just want to, I, I can't sit in my hotel room. Like my girlfriend is with me. I'm just like, I got to go to the field. Like I can't just sit here. So go to the, get to the field early, just kind of like sitting there, just kind of like enjoying, you know, just like walking around, just seeing everything. And I remember I just like went onto the field and just kind of like checking it out. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to go on the, the mountain and just kind of like get the scenery of like the whole aspect of, you know, what I'm, what I'm going to be seeing in the game. And I don't know, every, everything after that just felt natural. It felt, I felt at ease with pitching and everything. It didn't feel like the stage was too big. It just kind of like, I don't know. It, it was just, it's like, you know, I, I, I said in an interview, I was like, I've prepared myself my whole life for this moment. So it's like, I'm not going to, you know, be shy or, you know, get too overwhelmed with it. I'm just going to embrace it. And, and cause it's like, I don't know when my next opportunity was going to be after that. So it was, it was a cool experience. I got to, all my friends and family were there. Um, so it, it was a day that, you know, I'll never forget. And got, we got the win too. So that was sweet. It's funny you bring that up because a couple of weeks ago we had Devin <clears throat> Smeltzer on from the twins okay. and he said the same thing. He's like, you know, I've played that outing mentally in my head 
a hundred times. So when I got to the field, it was just going out there and competing. And I always find it funny that I feel like more times than not, when guys make their debut, they actually throw really well because it's just a matter of going out there and enjoying it and soaking it all in. Yeah, no, I agree. I think if you mentally prepare yourself, I mean, I don't, I really don't think it matters how good your stuff is. I think it does to an extent, but I think if you mentally are ready for that moment that you will succeed more, more times than not. Yeah. And uh, obviously after your first start, you strung together a a few quality starts and then worked your way into the rotation for pretty much the rest of the year. I remember following you. uh, I was, I picked you up on my fantasy baseball team and uh, (laughs) I don't know if, I don't know if I started you at all, but uh, I did have you, I did have you on the roster. Alex. Um, But I just remember tracking your outings and tracking your outings. Um, and it, you put together a, a ton of quality starts. Was there any, was there any doubt going through that season for you? Obviously, when you're young, you're new to everything, it's kind of bright lights. Um, did you have any moments of, of doubt through it, or were you pretty confident that you belong there? Uh, yeah, obviously, like the first four or five starts, I was like, okay, like, <laughs> this, is, this is easy. But I'm like, you know, no one's seen me pitch before, so, like, no one knows really, like, what to expect, so – I think once I faced, you know, I remember facing like the Giants or um, the Rockies for the second time. I think it was the Giants. It, it just didn't go well. And I'm like, okay, like this shit sucks. You know, like, like, you know, do I, do I belong here still? Like, you know, because guys face teams for the second time, third time, whatever, all the time. And, you know, they have success. So I think it was really like a, a testament to how I'm going to respond to that. And, I think after that, like whenever I started to have more success after that and just kind of like established myself, I felt like, you know, I belong here. And even going into spring training this year, you know, I I told myself, I was like, you know, you're not established at all. Like you've had half a season in the big leagues. Like you still need to prove yourself to this team because, you know, you're a guy that was a later option for them and a, a guy that just happened to be pitching well enough to get called up and, and so that's what I viewed it as is, you know, I always have like a chip on my shoulder. Like I'm the last option where, you know, I always view myself as like, not, I don't, it's hard to explain. Like I, I'm not the best player, but in my mind, I'm going to outdo every single person that I pitch against or go up against. That's, I don't know. That's just my mentality. No, absolutely. And there's like a, there's like that fine line between <clears throat> like self doubt it's not really self-doubt it's more of a driving factor that hey man like this is who I am and I need to come yeah. out and compete every day so I stick on this team um, because you do see it sometimes man guys get to the big leagues they're excited uh, maybe kind of get caught up in that that complacent like I'm here um, and then their careers kind of fade out so it's interesting yeah. to hear you say that every day you kind of have to show up to the park and, and bring who you or bring your value to the team. You know, yeah, every time I go out there, I'm just like, you know, you got to you gotta prove yourself. You just got to, you know, show that you belong here still just because, I mean, I've even like with the year I've been up, it's like I've seen guys get complacent and, and you know, have a couple of good outings and they're like, okay, like I'm, I'm good, you know, I'm, I'm set. I don't have to do more than I need to basically. So, yeah, I think the mentality part is huge. I don't want to. I don't want to make you sound like a fanboy here by any means. But has there been like a situation, um, whether you like look behind you and it's guys that are that are playing defense behind you, or somebody steps in the box where it's like, Dude, yes. holy shit, I'm actually here. Yes, I think the the one thing that I I think the one time I got caught up in it was when we were playing the Cardinals, and that was by far my worst one of my worst starts. And I remember Yadi Yadi comes in the box. I'm like, holy shit, this is Yadi and Merlina, like greatest catcher ever like just a stud behind the plate and uh he does this thing where he like does this like take and you have no idea when he's going to do it he's he's very unpredictable at the plate and so like that's why he's such a hard out I mean he's he's a great hitter too and and I remember he he did it on one pitch and then literally next pitch I was just trying to throw a fastball and it's supposed to go down and away and I just left it over the middle and he just destroyed it and I was just like I mean, at least I gave up a home run to Yachty and not some, like, random guy, you know? But, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious, yeah. what – is there any guys in the big leagues now that you kind of 
face. And it's like Yadier Molina. Obviously, we know he's a great player, but we wouldn't classify him as this, like, all-star hitter. Is there any guys that you feel like you kind of dominate on the other side? Yeah, I think there's – I don't want to jinx myself, but there's one guy, <laughs> like Charlie Blackman. Like, the dude is, like, Ted Williams. And for some reason, like, I don't know if he just – can't pick it up or whatever, but I, I feel like I, I don't know. Every time he comes up, I'm like, I'm going to get this guy out. And that's one guy like I've kind of been able to, to handle, but I mean, the, but you never know. It's like the dude gets hits like every single game. So it's like, you, you have no idea what he's going to do. So that's kind of one guy that surprisingly I've, I've had six. I, don't, I mean, it could be left on left stuff, but um, yeah, that's one guy I've had success on. Hey, uh, recently called up Dalton Varshow's playing with you guys now, and he actually played in our conference in college, uh, the Horizon League. You've probably heard of it. It's yeah, part of the Power yeah. Six. Um, it's Milwaukee. He, uh, I mean, that guy just raked <clears throat> in college, and it's just cool. I mean, it's cool for us on a personal level to see him play. Like, what's he like in the locker room? It's got to be, you know, he was a, he was a later round draft pick, you know, uh, making his way up there now. Any any notes yeah. on him? He he's such a great guy. He's super quiet but like you could tell he he know he like he he's a hard worker um he's really fast he's so fast like for he's low to the ground he's like we call him like a mini brian urlacher he's i don't know he's he's a great player though and yeah he hits everything like i'm excited for what he's gonna do i think you know when he gets more opportunities he'll, he'll be a really good player yeah, he's a little muscle hamster. I remember seeing yeah. him play, uh, <laughs> like catch. He would catch. He'd play yeah, a little he's a catcher, in yeah. college. Um, yeah, yeah. If you get a chance, actually, if if you don't mind, like telling him, he can, you know, at least like apologize to me for the amount of balls he pummeled off of me. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I think I tweeted about him a couple uh, a couple days ago when he got called up. I was like, just he his first base hit in the MLB was off of a sidearm pitcher and I was like yeah yeah that's, uh, yeah I pretty know. common yeah, I saw that pretty tweet common. actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> so no man well uh kind of want to dive into the, a, a little piece of history you know yesterday worldwide um you know the NBA the MLB MLS you can go down the list uh, a lot of holdouts uh, teams not are choosing to not play yesterday due to some social injustices um, issues we have in our country. What was that like for your team? I, I heard a rumor that there was even thoughts of uh, from the Diamondback side of guys playing and donating their checks to an actual cause to help um, the situation, which I thought was such an interesting and cool initiative from a team. Obviously both teams decided uh, to not play as well as majority of the MLB. What was that initiative like uh, coming from an eyes of a guy that kind of lived it. Yeah. So we, we had a good conversation in, in uh, our players only meeting. And one thing we thought of was, you know, obviously like we want to, you know, take a stand for what's going on. And, and I think we thought, you know, is one game going to really do anything um, to really, you know, take a stand and, and we thought, you know, if we play, we can donate that money to, you know, the Players Alliance, their charity, or just some some charity where, like, about um, <clears throat> what's going on and, and kind of help, you know, take an actual physical stand. Um, well, I mean, you know, not playing games too, but I think, the, I think you know, donating that money helps a lot more. Um, but obviously people have different views on that and, um, for us, we also wanted to wear our, um, our black jerseys, or we also talked about wearing our Jackie Robinson jerseys for the, um, the rest of the homestand, uh, just kind of like show, like, you know, we, we care, like, we're not just blowing this away. And, and obviously, you know, we, like last year, like we, we had, you know, three or four black players on our team. And this year we, we really have like one. And so I think you know, the conversations we have, it, they're harder to talk about just because we don't, and we, I mean, we have a, our hitting coach, he's African-American. And so I think those are the conversations we need to have still, um, regardless of how many players we have on our team. Um, and so it was, a, it was weird yesterday. Like it, it felt weird to not play. And, but I mean, everyone understood it. Everyone respected because the Rockies, you know, they, they had an they had an emotional uh, team meeting and, and um, 
And so I know Matt Kemp and, and uh, some of the other players led it and uh, they decided not to play. And, you know, obviously we're going to respect that. And um, I think it's, it's powerful. I think it'd be cool if we had one day where, you know, we, we all, if we did it, I think it would be cool if we all did it together where no one played on that day um, just to kind of send a message, you know, and I remember Archie Bradley was talking about it yesterday. He was like, you know, a kid asked, why aren't the Dimebacks and Rockies playing? And it kind of says, you know, this is why they're not playing because they're taking a stand for, you know, what's going on. And I, I mean, so there's, there's different ways on how people do it. And, you know, that was the way that we wanted to uh, take a stand with that. Yeah, obviously it's really hard to, <clears throat> to see what's going on and not agree with that. You know, yeah. I personally, I don't understand the other side of it. I, I think it's crazy, but how did that work for the Diamondbacks? Was it a, was it a top down thing where it came from the execs or was it more of a, a team handled conversation? Yeah. I mean, that, that was a straight, just players only uh, agreement where we wanted to do this and cause we knew the Rockies were talking about it. And so we, we were like, you know, we need to talk about this and, um, and, and so that's, that's where we, we, as a play, as players, we agreed on that. We told uh, Tori, our manager, and then, you know, obviously the, the D-backs uh, higher ups, you know, were on board with whatever we were on board with, which, which I think is awesome. I mean, it's like a family here. So um, I think, you know, whatever we were good to go with, they were going to be on board with. Yeah, totally. It was, it was so great to see just because <clears throat> uh, I mean, you hop on social media, you hop on Twitter and people are like, baseball players should stick to baseball, you know, like they shouldn't have a viewpoint. They shouldn't talk about politics. And it's like, you guys have such a great platform to do a lot of good in the world and to see you guys utilize that platform um, effectively and efficiently is so great to see because it just, it does send a message to people that like you guys have way more value in this life than just a baseball player. And a lot of people that, didn't grow up an athlete, didn't go through the process, uh, don't really realize that, that it's more than just showing up in the field and playing the game. Uh, one of the reasons why I respect LeBron James so much is whether you are for his opinion as a person, as policies, politically, whatever it is, um, he always has a voice and he's done a lot of good in his community. Um, and I think people are, are quick to overlook that just because you guys are athletes. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he he does so much for, you know, the Akron area and, you know, building schools. And, and I remember I just watched a video the other day of him, him giving a family $1.3 million. Like, the dude is unbelievable. He gives back so much, yet he gets so much hate because, because of what he does. And he actually has a voice and opinion, and people don't like his opinion. Even though it, I think I think what he does is amazing. And I think a lot of what he does is, is incredible. And what he says is, is what we're all thinking. And yet he's the one saying it. And so I think that's awesome. And, you know, I, like you said, like a lot of people look up to us and, um, you know, and I think when it's not the thing that's, that's said the right way, people jump on us faster than ever. People are like, oh, I'm not going to watch the Dimebacks anymore because, you know, they're with this or, or whatever. And it's just like, okay, like, you know, this is our opinion and this is the way we view things. And if you're not on board, then, you know, it's, it's just ridiculous. What I don't, I don't get how people can go against what's going on right now at all. It really doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Good for you guys. I know it's, I know it's a really hard thing to navigate and it's a hard thing to talk about, but I think you guys handle it really well. And it, it says a lot about the organization. Um, on a different note though, I mean, the season's, equally as weird on the field too with way less games and dhs and seven inning games what's the vibe like in the clubhouse are guys actually kind of liking it the shorter season double headers always suck but seven inning games what's the what's the talk there yeah i mean <clears throat> no one's really said anything about the shorter season it's just kind of it's still a grind i mean to have 60 games in 66 days i mean i think we're going on like besides yesterday and we were going on like three or four weeks of like straight baseball games, which I mean, normally doesn't happen in a real season in a 162 game season. So, I mean, it's still a grind. And I think, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy to see all these guys, like a lot of guys getting hurt and stuff like that, just because of like how weird it is. It's like, you're, you go into spring training, 
you stop for, you know, three, four months, but I mean, guys are still, you know, throwing, working out, but I think it's that like workload of like the actual game really takes a, you know, a hit on your, on your season. And so, um, but it, the vibe, the vibe at first, the first couple games, it was weird because there's no fans in the stands. Um, and people were kind of getting adjusted to like the crowd noise that we had. And I remember our first couple games, it was like, it felt like white, like white noise, like it was weird. And then they kind of restructured it to where the sound was going around the whole stadium and it felt more realistic. And, you know, they had like D-backs chants and stuff like that. And, but you, I mean, you can hear everything on the field. Like if someone starts talking shit or like someone starts complaining or like anything, like anything is said, but everyone hears it. So um, I love that. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I think, <it's laughs> I think that's perfect. It's, like, I'm it's the basically biggest like the biggest fan of hot mics. I am the yeah, biggest fan of hot yeah. mics. It's, it's like a, it's like a backfield game, you know, on a, in a big league stadium. It's like, it's kind of weird. And I'm, and it's like some guys are making their debuts this year. And I'm like, this has to be the weirdest thing ever. Like making your debut with your family's not there. And, you know, there's no one in the stands and like, you know, if like, something happens like you know in a game like you're not getting booed or whatever but it's just kind (laughs) of I think people are liking it too because people are like oh I don't have to you know there's no media in the clubhouse or you know whatever but I don't know I mean I it's it's still weird to me like I mean who knows if there's gonna be fans in in a stadium next year like we have no idea so yeah, the vibe the vibe is so weird watching as a fan too. Like it, it literally feels like a backyard pickup game at, at yeah. times. Um, I'm curious. Like, is there adrenaline? Do you still get like oh the, yeah the adrenaline yeah. to go out there? Because I know a lot of guys talk about needing that fan engagement in that crazy yeah. environment. Uh, for you, are you able to kind of get to the zone that you need to get to as a player? Yeah, it's called yeah, smelling still- salts. <laughs> it's called bang energy Dude, i love those things yeah we there's so many red bulls in the in the clubhouse and stuff like that but oh dude i'm sold I, on the diamondbacks yeah i i can't do that anymore i i don't know i just kind of like i'll just like try to hype myself up or just kind of like get in the moment to where i just like my heart's just racing and i don't know but yeah the adrenaline's still there though especially like when i was coming out of the pen earlier this year halfway point you guys just passed the halfway point of the season how are you guys feeling right now as a club Right now, it's, you know, I think everyone's still very positive. I mean, you know, we, we've lost eight straight, but they've been like one-run games. It's just kind of crazy because it's like our, we have such a good team. I mean, you know, people probably don't think that. I think we have a really good team. Our lineup is is awesome. Like, we have a really good lineup, even guys on the bench. And, you know, some of our starting pitchers, have, we've taken a hit there, but, you know, guys are stepping up and, and, you know, our, I think we have one of the best bullpens. I mean, we have some really good arms in the pen. And so, I mean, the we just had a meeting the other day, you know, like we have 30 games left. Like we can either fold or we can, you know, win one game at a time. And, you know, we right before our eight-game losing streak, we, we won six straight. And it was against two of the hottest teams. It was against the Padres and the A's. And so – you know, like we, we know we're good. Like we just have to, you know, I think it all comes down to, you know, like timely hitting, you know, guys making big pitches in big situations and, um, you know, kind of everyone doing their part. But I mean, the, the energy and the, you know, energy level and everything like that, like all the positive vibes are still there. So I think it's just, you know, winning one game and then kind of getting on a roll from there. Yeah. I think you guys will catch fire soon. I mean, we were talking last week about how there's just, there's so much parity in the league now, and it's cool. You know, obviously the, the Dodgers kind of separate themselves, at least so far, and other organizations too. But, like, I'm from Chicago, so I'm a Cubs fan. And they're, you know, 18 and 12, but they have a plus three run differential. So it's not like they're, it's not like they're leading the league or, or their division by just whooping everybody. Like, it's very close yeah. games. And just to your point where, you know, hopefully those one-run games start going in your favor, and next thing you guys know, you're on a little bit of a run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we're, I think we're like – a couple games out of it and because I mean two teams from each division make it so I mean it's really anyone's game still I mean that's what's cool about this season it's like it's kind of like a race to the playoffs for the last two months so it's it's, I mean there's teams that you know like the Marlins are still in it which I think is so cool 
and even the Orioles and I, th- I think the Tigers are only like two, three games back of second place. So it's, it's cool to see like all these teams, like it doesn't matter, you know, how big or little or, you know, good teams are, bad teams, whatever. Like, it's just cool to see like all these different teams just kind of compete still. Yeah, that's yeah, we're a, we're a Orioles pod. We're a Orioles yeah. podcast. We're willing to be a Diamondbacks <laughs> podcast too, but right now, because of the way that Baltimore is playing with that lineup, we're officially an Orioles podcast. Just so you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my we. Guys, uh, I got a guy. In the, one of my buddies on it, Brian Holiday. He's he's on that team. Good, Brian. Brian. Shout out Brian Holiday. Shout out Brian Holiday. Got to get him on here. <laughs> We'd love to. We'd absolutely love to. Um, really, really quick. Um, second half personal goals. You got anything for us? Twenty twenty seasons. Uh, you know, getting pretty close to being in the books. Uh, what are your personal goals to finish up this season strong? Uh, I think just getting ahead of guys. I think the last couple outings I've been, you know, really behind guys and counts and. Some some have led to bad results. Um, I'm <laughs> that and just limiting the home run ball. I feel like every time I go out there right now, it's, there's been at least a solo shot. So I think just limiting home runs, you know, really diving into you know location of pitches and um, you know just going out there and having fun. Honestly, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is just you know fortunate enough to be able to play baseball during all this crazy stuff that's going on right now and you know just kind of making the most of it and you know whatever happens happens the rest of this year and you know get ready for for next year but I I I think we're gonna make the playoffs and and who knows what's gonna happen after that so be fun to see young players listening uh location having fun and getting ahead of counts all stuff that you can control Alex Young about the process all about and the process. you know sitting like two to four plays that helps with a hammer <laughs> that helps yeah, exactly <laughs> no alex alex we appreciate it man we had a fun time uh would love to have you on again uh yeah, good definitely. luck the rest of the season definitely keep in touch um we appreciate it man thank you guys thanks for having me on